Welcome to the Meat and Poultry Podcast. This podcast is your online portal to hear from experts in the industry about the latest news, trends, technologies, and people in the world of meat and poultry processing. For the Meat Poultry Podcast, I'm Ryan McCarthy, Digital Media Editor. Mark Bianchetti, president of People's Choice Beef Jerky, has seen his California business and the area around it change throughout his life. Nestled into the heart of downtown Los Angeles' fashion district, People's Choice has been serving as a player in the specialty meat snack industry for more than 90 years. Continually expanding its presence not only on the West Coast but beyond, the company continues to work on growth and change in the snack space. In this episode of the Meat and Poultry Podcast, Mark shares his journey in leading the business alongside his son and daughter as they prepare for the fourth generation to take the reins of the family operation. With a commitment to honoring its roots, People's Choice is also unafraid to explore new flavors and ideas suggested by its customers. Look for their new products, including Jerky Crisps, where the company tries to get a chip-like product in a thin piece of meat. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Mark Bianchetti. Mark, do you want to start by talking a little bit about the history of your company? Okay, so going way, way back, um, in 1929, my grandfather, John, along with his sister, um, basically, um, Kaidi was her name. They started this business. He was the one behind it. She helped them in 29, about uh, a couple miles away from our current location. More of a kind of a butcher shop. Uh, they made some sausage, you know, yada, yada. And then once that was kind of off the ground, they built the facility we're in now in downtown LA in 1939. So it's kind of interesting. My son and I, who now works here, um, we went to downtown LA and kind of went through all the records and stuff. And we kind of, it was really cool, right? It was like, we found exactly when this was built. My dad, who passed away a few years back and who was um, just a mainstay here, he would, he wasn't really sure of exactly the, you know, what year it started and all that right. kind of good stuff. And so my, my son and I went over to LA, found it all out. So it was the building we're in was built 1939. So my dad worked for my grandfather for, you know, quite a few years. I came in as a kid, but um, I didn't start here until, oh boy, 1978 after college. So I've uh, been here a few weeks now. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I was third generation. And then my son, Brian, and my daughter, Sarah, now are fourth generation. And we've been in the same location um, since then. Um, the business has grown, which is, which is nice. Um, we're doing a lot more, uh, you know, different things now than we did back then. It was more of a, we kind of serviced restaurants along with the beef jerky, but um, basically now we're just doing beef jerky, you know, snack sticks and all that. Um, so anyway, 
um, a lot of the credit would go to my kids, you know, have kind of uh, put a lot of new energy, new thoughts, you know, all that sort of thing into, you know, the business and have grown, you know, the internet and all that kind of stuff. So let me reject that. Okay. So anyway, um, all's good. And, you know, thank God we have a good story and we get along as a family, which is important, right? Right. Uh, you know, um, so anyway, that's kind of in a nutshell, you know. What were, uh, what were some of the original products that you guys would come up with in, in this place and take me through that part of it and then how you kind of shifted now to the focus that you're talking about with jerky and yeah. some snacks type stuff? Yeah. So when we first started and when I was involved, our, our mainstay was basically um, restaurant distribution. Anyway, so we did that. And then basically, um, as time kind of moved on, um, my dad, um, I started working primarily with my dad because my grandfather had passed away. And we kind of, I, I kind of came up with this vision that, you know, the restaurant business, anybody can basically go out to a big distribution company and buy products for the restaurant. But if you make a product and it's kind of yours and you can put your twist on it, then they kind of have to come to you to buy that product. And so I would probably say in the, probably in the early 80s, we really migrated away from distribution in terms of restaurants and slowly started developing beef jerky more and more and more. And taking it from just in bulk sales going to, let's say, Mexican carnicerias or, you know, butcher shops, we built this program, which we called the Big Slab. And basically it was a big piece of beef jerky that now you'll see kind of across the country and plexiglass containers where people will go to the counter and, and buy a piece and that just grew. And we really did a great job in, in California of just growing that business. And it, so it just kind of started to change where the beef jerky started to go this way and the restaurant business, you know, was, we we're trying to get away from that as much as we could. So here comes the 2000 and, you know, we really did push the, the ready to eat snacks. Um, so much so that, you know, we were like the exact opposite now. It was probably 70, 30, you know, with the beef jerky. And then we took it one step further when my son came on board, you know, around, he's been here about oh, almost 10 years now. And then we really, really rebranded and pushed um, a whole nother avenue of, besides just distribution with jerky, we brought in the whole internet website, um, and then he really ran with that and, and it's just evolved and it's, it's really opened up a lot of doors and, and kind of one interesting thing that I always thought was cool about the internet was in my opinion, I was always looking at, it could be a, a great vehicle to pick up more distribution. Right. And, I, and we were, I wasn't really thinking in terms of selling a lot of product over the internet. It was more like, oh, if somebody sees our website, we have these products, they call us, they have a route here, they may have distribution here. Hey, we'd like to buy some or blah, 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 blah. Well, 
my son took it one step further and really pushed, you know, the retail end of it. And it just kind of blew up and it kind of, wow. And I, you know, I guess I never realized how much work goes behind the scenes with an internet based, you know, sales product. And so anyway, so now in the current, where we're at now, we're always trying to develop new flavors and different items. Um, we make a, a really, truly an artisanal product, um, you know, getting, not getting into the, the weeds here, but we use really, really good meat. We buy yep. it from really good suppliers. Um, everything's, you know, made in the USA. Every, all our beef is from the USA. Um, we have great relationships with the, the people in, in the meat industry that we buy from. And so anyway, we're, you know, we're trying to not reinvent the wheel, but just come up with better and better quality as we, as we go along, you know, so that's kind of for us, we're always interested about where you guys do source from. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that and and why you choose that and why that's so important for your product? Okay, so we we kind of have two real real sources, or I I mean not two but different sources of meat. So the the one product I was telling you about with the slab product, you know, the big pieces that. Um, we source that, it's, it's usually utility, a high-end utility cow. And we get that from a couple main sources, which is Cargill up in Fresno, big source, and Cavanis meatpacking out of Texas. And basically they take um, what we use, a knuckle, cow knuckle, and they basically almost denude it. And then they kind of make it to our specs so we can get big, big pieces and slices out of that. So for our slab product, that's kind of where we source most of our product from. Now, on the other end of it, on like all our smaller, uh, more artisanal products, we get that a lot of our meat comes from AB Foods, which is Washington beef. Um, we use uh, Demcoda, uh, South. Um, those are two of our sources. We also, um, well, Nebraska beef. Um, and, and, and all that stuff we use there is either choice or higher. So we stay away. We have to basically, we kind of, yeah, we're, we're pretty sticklers on that. Only because the marbling really, really helps um, with the flavor and we, believe it or not with jerky it's really kind of backwards um most like mostly you want it lean because you know you don't want the fat but yeah in some of the stuff that we make actually it's kind of crazy where the fat does add to the flavor it's like a steak right you know you have to have some fat or else it's like chewing hard cardboard yep. you know what I mean? so Anyway, so that's that's some of the main sources that we get our meat from. Um, you know, we've tried imported before going back in time, but we thought, you know, for what we do and kind of our goals and who we are, you know, why not stick to the USA and try to try to go down that road, you know? Yeah, for since you've seen everything focus on jerky from the 1980s, how much do you kind of go and experiment with everything that's going on? with jerky, with flavors. How, how have you guys gone about that throughout that time? And 
realizing that you don't, you know, you probably have some traditional ones you stick to, but there's a lot of room to grow and change and, and do a lot of things too. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it really, this is really funny. You'll get a kind of, it's kind of interesting. That's a really good question, right? Um, we, our traditional flavors, I mean, I, I'm talking about like our old cowboy style, like, you know, you rip your teeth out. It's probably still our most popular, believe it or not. Um, pretty simple, you know, black pepper, salt, a little onion powder, a little garlic powder, you know. Um, and then we have that same version in hot where we add cracked red pepper, but chili flakes. But the bottom line is that has been our staple and something we've made forever. Then we've kind of moved in, when I said the slab product, it's more of a, I mean, it's a quality product, but it's, it's more of a um, kind of a commercial product to where it's, you know, I mean, I'm calling it what it is. I mean, mm -hmm. something that's made for the consumer in the sense that it's thinner, pieces are big, a little easier to chew. Um, it's very accessible, easy, blah, 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 blah. And then we took that one step further. And then when we started doing our artisanal, so on those flavors on the slab, we have like a, a regular original flavor. We have a teriyaki and a hot, just three. With artisanal, where we started using choice and higher meat and really trying to come up with a really high-end product, then those were the flavors where we really started experimenting and coming up with you know, orange honey and, and we came up with sweet chili habanero and we've done a pickle flavor. Um, you know, we've done uh, Szechuan and kind of a cool thing that we do here. We came up with this idea of the tasting kitchen, which somebody might come up with a flavor. They might email it to us and say, hey, have you guys ever tried this? Or a seasoning company, have you ever tried this or that? We're willing to try anything because you know it's, it's so weird you you never know until you really experiment and put it all together things that you wouldn't think would taste good do and sometimes the things you would take aren't as good as you think so yeah. um yeah we had a, a one of our seasonal flavors that it's it's really cool and we've teamed up with different companies that's crown maple syrup I'll give you an example they're out of vermont they make high-end this unbelievable maple syrup mm -hmm. and so we contacted them and said hey we're going to try to come up with a flavor and so we came up with a maple brown sugar flavor and we used their syrup and now i don't know what year we're on maybe third or fourth year of doing it and people kind of get upset because i think we started november and we're done maybe february but sure you know, you make big batches, then if we have a little bit extra, we'll sell it until we run out. Right. But when we run out, it's like, why don't you guys carry that, you know, yearly or why, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, well, it's just kind of a cool thing to, you know, kind of introduce every holiday yeah. season. Keep, oh. keep it seasonal too. So keep it's, people coming back too. Yeah. Exactly. We've tried a pumpkin. What was it called? I don't know pump. We've tried everything, you know, and, and it's cool. You can have fun with it too, right? And we'll, we'll make a flavor, send it out to some of our customer base and get feedback. And if they like it, we'll try it and we'll do it for a while, you know? So 
that's the kind of fun thing with being a family business. I think we can kind of experiment, have fun and, um, you know, have a good relationship with our customer base. And um, so anyway, that's some ideas on the differences and stuff. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you that a little bit. And you mentioned having it be a fourth generation business. Now, what, what's the importance of that? And always keeping that in mind when you're trying to sell the product, get it out there and people to understand your story a lot of times. Um, I, I think, God, good question. I, you know, I, the one thing my wife and I have always, always kind of, you know, I'm we're third, but I, we always tell our children that, you know, the most important thing is family and don't ever let business get in the way of family. You know, we have differences, we may have different opinions, but when push comes to shove, the one thing that, you know, my dad and grandfather both kind of gave me was a great sense of, you know, being respectful to your customer, trying to do the best product you can for your customer. Um, and so I, I think we've kind of instilled into our kids kind of that same, you know, try to try to give a value, you know, give people a good value and, and be fair. And, 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 and I think in the long run, that's what's given us, you know, I mean, heck, four generations and we've been on business almost a hundred years and, you know, kind of watch what you wish for, you know, keep it in perspective. Um, we're at a good place, just, just where we are with our family and business. And, you know, we, hopefully just keep handing it down and you know it, it just keeps going so um yeah i think i think the idea that we're such a tight tight-knit family and that we all put our perspective in doing the right thing and trying to just give people good quality you know and, and kind of stand behind our product um we've been very fortunate knock on wood thank god and you know We've all had our, you know, tough times. Don't, not, don't get me wrong. Sure. Brian, believe me. Oh yeah. I, you know, everybody does. Oh boy, we've been, you know, many a time where it's like, okay, uh, oh, what's tomorrow gonna bring? You know, that's <laughs> kind of the fun of a family business, right? Like, yeah. Right. Um, but no, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, we're very fortunate. Right? We have good kids and they work hard. So. Yeah, and you know, having the family business and also being in the same location is really interesting. I, I wanted you also though to touch on seeing downtown LA change throughout all this time too. It, you know, through the eighties and now it's turned into what it, what it has now. Um, discuss that a little bit with me about watching Los Angeles change while you guys have also changed your, like you've talked about your packaging and some other things, but you guys have, you're still doing meat while all this other stuff's going on around you a lot of times. I mean, we're, we're kind of a dinosaur in the sense that, you know, um, Vernon, okay. Vernon, which is so close to LA. I mean, we're you know, 10 minutes away, which used to be an incredible, you know, I mean, my God for LA, the Vernon area was meat packers galore, you know, yeah. unbelievable. Now, I hate to say it in terms of meatpacking, it's a ghost town. I mean, there's really literally hardly, if anybody left. I think Farmer John is the last one and they're done and they're gone from there. But um, 
in LA, the unique thing is where we're at, it was a lot of residential years ago. And then it kind of morphed into more textiles, clothing and stuff. And I don't know if it's because where we grew up and we were so close to downtown and our buildings here and our families here that we really may never gave it a thought of going elsewhere, yeah. of moving, you know, did you want to go to another state? Do you want to go to another city? I mean, we're downtown LA, we're in the middle of, you know, Southern California, kind of like, you know, we're here, we're kind of grandfathered in and so what did we do? We bought a building behind us and now we, <laughs> we have processing in one and all our warehousing and packaging in another. And it just so happened it's right behind our building, which is like one in a million. And so have, have I seen the neighborhood changed? Obviously, yeah. I mean, Coca-Cola is right down the corner from us. They're probably the only place that I, in terms of what, has been around here for a long time right still here but in essence it's become the fashion district i mean we're part of the fashion district which you know um but it's more textiles around us that's what's changed um but other than that you know what it's one half dozen the other i haven't seen you know it's still business and it's just yeah yeah um i, I was going to ask you real quick mark uh uh laying out the the retail side of yourself i know I've, I've seen some of the videos that you guys have been putting up recently and how do you go about trying to curate your your own retail space while also you've got a lot of process you got a lot of warehouse around here too it sounds like too yeah um it's really weird because like you know going back in time we our retail was like it wasn't really much because yep. if you know, oh, there's a beef jerky factory down there that makes beef jerky. Wonder if they sell it. And they, people would kind of knock on the door and we'd let them in. Oh yeah, you know, they'd buy a pound or a box or da 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 da. And then it was kind of, I think my son who kind of came up with the idea of, wow, why don't we basically, we have, you know, clientele in the area. We do have businesses in the area, but we do have people that know our product and are, we know we're trying to grow it. Well, heck, why don't we make a space to where they can come in, look at the products, kind of sneak a peek of processing so they can kind of have a big window so they can kind of see how it's kind of done. And, you know, they get a kick out of it. And um, so we opened up this, basically this retail space in front. And now that's going to be kind of, we're, we're putting a lot more energy and focus into that because there are a lot of people that love beef jerky and if they can buy it direct from a manufacturer, it's kind of cool and they like to do it. And then kind of on a side note, what we've been doing is with a lot of our customers um, that have been loyal and have been doing business with us for a long time, we invite them in. And, you know, we have to be careful because it's USDA and we have to make sure they're dressed and they're yep. clean all that. But besides that, and they're, are yep. they're cool. Well, they, you're, uh, talking, you're talking to me who always has to get dressed up every time we go to the, we go right. to the facility. So. Yeah, so you know, you know what yep. I'm talking about. 
So we'll walk people through, you know, I mean, not big numbers, but, and, and, you know, because a lot of people don't know how it's made or how, what's the process. And it's like, wow, you know, they're really, it's cool. And it, it really is, you know, and they get to see all the different steps and how much labor is involved and how hard, you know, I mean, it, it is very time consuming. And so that's kind of a neat feature that we kind of tied in to, you know, this whole retail, um, you know, come see us, come learn, come, you know. So we're, we're really opening up that to LA. And more importantly, we're trying to become more involved. Our goal is for us as a company, Ryan, I mean, this is kind of, we've just started this, but we really do want to get involved in Los Angeles in any way we can, in a good way, not just a business way, but in a way of, you know, becoming and giving a part back, giving something back to the city of Los Angeles. And um, so all this stuff that we're trying to incorporate. And so anyway, that's, that's part of our game plan in terms, you know, we have the retail, but at the same time, we do want to become um, kind of a, we're Los Angeles based. We've been here a long time. So why not be a part of Los Angeles and, and that whole growing trend and, and, you know, you know, this is where we're from. So be proud of it. Make sure to check out the latest stories from the monthly print edition and online at meatpoultry.com. Make sure to follow us on social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, all by searching at Meat Poultry. And if you like what you heard, please leave a rating and review. It really helps us. All right, that's it for this time, folks. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.